Welcome to Not Over, Just Different. I'm your host, Natalie Ledwell, founder of Mind Movies, the ultimate personal development tool to visualize and achieve your greatest life. This podcast is for women who are looking for inspiration and guidance as they navigate the changes that come through moving through the various stages of life, or for anyone asking themselves, who do I want to be? Now, on this transformational show, I'll be talking to inspiring people from all walks of life about their stories of how they faced and overcame life's challenges in powerful ways. These are raw, candid conversations, often not shared until now. We'll be discussing topics like health, relationships, life's transitions, aging gracefully, and learning to see life from a fresh new perspective. We explore what it means to continually grow and evolve as your world changes and live a fulfilling life. As well, we'll provide you with amazing tools and resources to help you move through change with courage and resilience. So if you're ready to take the plunge and start your journey to becoming your most powerful, authentic self, then join me, Natalie Ledwell, on Not Over, Just Different for insightful conversations about how to tackle life's new chapter. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast for this week. This week, we've got such a light easy subject that we're talking about, <laughs> just the meaning of life and how to find it. <laughs> so please welcome my guest, Deanne Riando. How are you, Deanne? <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Natalie. It's so great to be here and I'm excited to talk about this light subject of the meaning yeah, of life. I, yeah, you know, just... <laughs> Because, you know, we're not all searching. We don't, you know, we, we don't, you know, all know what that is. Right. Um, but uh, what was really, why well, I was so excited about our conversation today is that you uh, are someone who is a, a spiritual mentor, a spiritual teacher. You also read Akashic Records, yes. which I find absolutely fascinating. I had that done a couple of times and I'm like, the insights that I got from, you know, previous, you know, experiences, previous lives, previous dimensions was like, okay, this has really helped me a lot. So it was pretty Isn't it crazy. profound? Yeah. yeah, I love it too. Yeah. Well, why don't we dive in there? Because, you know, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what Akashic Records are. Actually, no, no, no we're not going to do that. We're going to start with your story first, because you have had quite the journey in this lifetime. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, yes, I have. And, you know, I, I do believe storytelling is a form of medicine. And so, uh, not just for me, of course, and sharing the story, but for the listeners too. So thank you for asking. And we will get to what the Akashics are. Don't yes. worry, everybody. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I my first experience, you know, with what I call the other side or the beyond what, what we can maybe um, see and perceive in our normal kind of three-dimensional humanness uh, happened when I was just five. Uh, I had a, my first near death happen when I was five. I was eating one of those, you know, those round, hard jawbreaker candies. I was eating one of those and walking around the house with this thing, big, you know, in, thing in my mouth. And my dad said, Deanne, go sit down before you choke. And so, of course, I turned to go and sit back down. And when I did that, I took a breath in and that jawbreaker got lodged in my throat. So I started to choke and my dad came over, he wrapped his arms around my waist and started picking me off the ground, you know, trying to use the Heimlich maneuver to get it out. And that jawbreaker was not budging. And so I actually went limp in my dad's arms. I went fully unconscious and obviously wasn't breathing because I had this jawbreaker in my mouth and I had something really profound happen to me. I 
rose above my body. I had an out-of-body experience. I floated above my body. I remember watching my dad panic below and my mom was running to the phone to call for help. My sister was peeking around the corner and I didn't feel any of that chaos. I felt total peace and I felt this unconditional love and I I, I can't even put into words. I mean, I was five years old. So at the time I just thought, well, this is neat, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and of course, many years later and lots of reflection and, and work around it, I've, I've come to understand my experience a bit more, but I really feel like I got to taste heaven a little bit that day. Mm. And my dad, ultimately what he did was he used his thumb and he stuck his his thumb down my throat and was able to kind of leverage enough. And by the way, that's not the recommendation with choking, but nonetheless, I'm glad that he broke the rules and he popped that jawbreaker out and he got me breathing again. And so, you know, I had kind of this second lease at life, you know, my dad gave me life, not once, but twice. And here I was this young kid who felt like I had a big mission in the world. And that actually made me feel really out of place. I felt really, um, I didn't feel like the rest of the kids, um, you know, in, in grade four, I started a kids for saving earth club. Cause I thought, well, God gave me another chance at life. I better, I need to save the world, <laughs> you know? And so if you can imagine, you know, as a young child, the responsibility that I carried with that. Um, but what also started to happen is I started to become very precognitive. So I would I would know when things were going to happen. And I would tell my mom, oh, mom, this is going to happen. And then my mom would be so flabbergasted when it did. And so that started to happen. But because I was raised in a Catholic home, a lot of what I was experiencing um, is very taboo in the Catholic uh, religion. And and so I kind of just shoved it away. I kind of put it away. I thought, okay, I'm different. I'm not supposed to be. And I felt a bit of shame about that. And so I, you know, I kind of put it away and then fast forward into my adulthood and, and, you know, I've had a great career in EMS and firefighting. I, you know, ended up becoming a teacher in the health, health and sciences program at our colleges here. And I'm, I'm, you know, thinking I'm living a pretty normal life, but still feeling really unseen and unheard and really out of place. And that's actually about when I had my second near death. Now, my second near death was very different than my first because now I'm an adult, right? Right. And so I can receive it in a different way. And with the second near death, um, I was actually at home. I was recovering from knee surgery. So I had full reconstruction from a, a skiing injury from many years before. And so I'm recovering at home. My brother-in-law happens to be there kind of helping me. Um, and I end up fainting and, and going completely unresponsive. And um, apparently it was from a medication that I was taking and it bottomed out my blood pressure. Needless to say, I went completely unresponsive, stopped breathing and everything. And in that experience, now the near death, I can perceive it very differently than when I was five. And I'm actually really truly feeling what heaven must feel like because it is the most euphoric beautiful divine experience i can't put it into words natalie yeah. i can't it's just impossible it was so beautiful i saw these huge orbs of light and i could feel the energy of it and i could feel the messages that were coming in and out without words even being spoken i remember just being so in awe 
And I wanted to stay. I consciously remember saying, I'm just going to stay here. This is amazing. And they're, they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> As in many near deaths, right? They're like, uh, you still have stuff to do. You're not done. Um, and so I ultimately came to, but because I had such a profound angelic experience as an adult, I remember just taking it in and not knowing how to explain what just happened. Like I didn't tell my brother-in-law right away. Cause I was like, he's going to think that I'm losing my mind. You know, of course my ego mind comes in and it says, don't tell anybody about this. Cause they're going to think you're crazy. And at that point I hadn't even talked about my near death when I was five either for that matter. So I kept all of those things very much to myself up until that point, because I didn't want people to think that I wasn't normal. And so um, days go by and I have to talk about what happened. Like I can't keep it in me. And so I'm telling one of my best girlfriends in my kitchen, um, and, and letting her know, I'm like, Oh my God, I got to tell you about this experience. Like, this is what happened. I saw angels and this is my experience. And I'm telling her all about it. And my brother-in-law who, who lived with me at the time, he comes running into the kitchen. Cause he overheard me and he slams his hand on the counter. And he's like, I knew it. He said, at first, when you went unconscious, he said, I thought you were dead. I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell if you were breathing. I, I couldn't feel a pulse. Like I was panicking. And he said, then all of a sudden he said, I felt, I can't describe it as anything other than angels coming. And I heard them say, everything was going to be okay. And he said, he took a breath. And then all of a sudden I took a breath and awake I came. And so it validated the experience for me. I'm like, okay, if he felt it, right, <laughs> then I know that I felt it. Do you know what I mean? It gave me that validation. And I, I, it's sad that we need this validation, of course, <laughs> in our lives so that we have the courage or the bravery to, to speak our truth. But for me, that was critical. It was a game changer. And, and it changed everything for me. I thought, that's it. I'm going to start telling people about the story because I cannot be the only one. And, you know, that was the catalyst for me. I started to go on a very inward journey. And I mean, it was slow. I'm not going to say like all of a sudden, you know, the angels sang and it was like all rainbows and butterflies after that. No. Most certainly <laughs> I had work to do, but I did the work hmm. and moved through my own process. And that's actually ultimately what led me to listening in to taking the Akashic Records course because I was divinely guided to that course. And I went in as a skeptic. I mean, I was in the medical field. Come on. I was all logic and science and all of that. And, and now all of a sudden I'm leaning into intuition that I always had, but had shut off for so long. And I want to say this caveat to the listeners, please do not self-induce a near-death experience in order for you to go on the spiritual journey. Okay. It's not necessary. <laughs> You don't have to do that in order to choose. You simply have to choose. Yeah. And I'm telling you that choice for me to go on that inward journey was the game changer for me. And after taking the Akashic records, I took it just as a skeptic, you know, and once I took it, I was like, it's like the floodgates opened up Natalie. And I was like, oh my God, like there is so much more here that we can't see. Yeah. There is so much beyond this third three dimensional world that we live in. And once I started to see that my whole world changed. Yeah. That's uh quite the story. <laughs> but I, uh, I mean, my, uh, myself, like when I've had my 
communions with God, which has either been through meditation or through ceremony. Yes. Um, I, the same thing. I remember the first time I had that experience and I, uh, I, I remember coming out of it and we were, I was in ceremony with there was a group of us that were there and I remember starting to laugh. My friend's like, what's wrong with you? I go, you don't understand Every the drama of life, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It's, right? it's irrelevant. <laughs> and it was like, oh, now I get it. Now I understand. So all these little things that I used to get so stressed about and so, you know, tied up in knots over, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's just this. It's just a car. It's just money. It's just, you know. Yes. It, but I understand, it's, yes, having that detachment was very helpful, especially when I'm, you know, creating my life and creating my reality. Yeah. Um and also realizing that we're still in this humanness, this human experience in this 3D dimension where we're, you know, still having to to uh, experience the human stuff, you know. Yes. And this is yes. where the Akashic Records come in because from my understanding, the ability to read your Akashic Records or, or your Akashic Records are the record of what your soul has experienced in every lifetime that it's, you know, that it's been in creation. But that You right? have got it. So I call the Akashic Records your soul's library. That's mm. how I define it. And it is not, um, it's a dimension of consciousness. So it's not really a place you go to. Um, it's a dimension that you go to of consciousness. And some will say that it's, you know, God's library as well. And yeah, so the word Akash is actually primordial for beginning of time or, um, uh, the, the primordial substance of life. Mm. So it really takes us back to that extension of God, of source energy, creator, whatever you call that, you know, and it brings us into this very divine space so that we can have deeper compassion for ourselves and for others so that we can have deeper understandings about why things are showing up in our lives. And it really helps to take us out of some of that victimhood that oftentimes we can get stuck in as, as human beings, of course. Mm. And, you know, you know, the Akashic Records um, allows us the opportunity to journey inward. And I would even say that, you know, the Akashics all reside in every single one of us, right? And so we can, every one of us can access the records, by the way. This is not, you know, specialized for certain people. Um, of course, some might be more gifted at it than others, but we still can have access to it. So it's a wonderful tool that we can use. And, you know, when we talk about the concept of the meaning of life, you know, one of the things as I went through my journey, of course, I had these near deaths, but I really struggled in my humanness because I was constantly reaching for happy outside of myself. Right. You know, I'll be happy when the bill is paid. I'll be happy when that schooling is done. I'll be happy when the kids are older, whatever that is for you. And I spent a lot of time stuck in that kind of ego space of feeling like I'm doing all the right things. Why is it not working out for me? And that created a great deal of suffering. Like you, you use the word attachment or detach from the need to um, have these things or have experiences show up in a certain way. Mm. The truth is that the experiences are going to show up exactly as they need to for your benefit. And as long as you're willing to receive the benefit of them, you will get what you need to, to get you to the next place in the next place. Yeah. And so it's really um, about kind of falling away from judgment 
And this is what I call filling the soul bank. So it's one of my main tips that I want to give today is filling the soul bank in terms of finding the meaning of life, because the soul bank is really the ability to go inward and to be really honest with ourselves and to allow ourselves to kind of fall away from the judge, the self judgment, because once you fall away from self judgment, guess what? Your judgment on others and experiences outside of yourself, that falls away too. Right. And so filling the soul bank is many things. It it can be, it can also be, you know, taking time for meditation. It can also be grounding exercises. It can also be those things. But on a bigger level, filling the soul bank means getting really honest. It means allowing ourselves to stand in our truth. It invites the opportunity for us to look at ourselves and love ourselves with such deep compassion that then that is what is expressed to the outer world. And all of a sudden now we have deep compassion for others and that judgment starts to fall away. Right. So, you know, that's just to give a little bit of insight and, you know, I did spent a lot. I spent my whole life resisting going on the soul walk. I'll tell you that much, you know, (laughs) it's like, I don't want to go in there. There's dark stuff in there, you know, but it has been the greatest gift that I have given myself. And so, you know, when people say, Deanne, what do I need to do to, you know, you know, find the meaning of life or understand why I'm here? You walk the journey into your soul. Mm. And you start filling that soul bank. You start getting real honest with yourself. Right. So how do we do that? Well, I mean, there's lots of ways to do that, of course. You know, um, I think the first thing is um, really allowing yourself to build relationship to yourself. Mm. And the piece of relationship is really critical. So how do we find our inner truth? How do we start to fall from judgment? Well, you start by going and building that relationship with self. And so what I mean by that is that we have many aspects to ourselves, right? We have our ego mind, which is our logical mind, right? That ego mind, by the way, folks, the ego mind is hardwired to look for the negative in life. Okay. Mm. When back in the caveman days, the ego mind said, Oh, where's the fire? Where's the flood? You know, where's the predators? And so our ego mind is hardwired to look for that, to keep you safe. But what has happened over thousands of years is now that ego mind comes in in places and spaces where, you know, maybe it doesn't belong so much. (laughs) And so we can love and appreciate our ego mind. It keeps us safe in this world. But there is a deeper opportunity as well for us to build relationship to the ego mind and to create boundaries with the ego mind. And so that might look like Thanks, ego mind, but I've got this. You know, when the ego mind says, well, you can't talk about angels on on live, you know, podcasts, people will think you're crazy. You say, thanks, ego mind, but I've got this. And you lean into what your heart is pulling you to do and what is it compelling you to do. The other aspect is to build relationship to our intuition. And so our intuition is that inner compass that some people might say that heart space that will prompt them and say, hey, turn right when you when you thought you should go left or do this when you know you thought you shouldn't. And so when we build relationship to that, it means that we're listening in a little and we're saying, oh, thank you for that insight. Um, is this going to really serve me and the people around me? So you can start asking questions. Mm-hmm. So you start engaging with these dynamic of who you are and building relationship to that. Because as soon as you do that, you're filling your soul bank. 
because your soul is saying, oh my God, she's listening to me. <gasps> I can give her more information now or him more information now because because they're listening. And so it starts to create this higher vibrational frequency in which we can receive more information and in which we can get more clear on what our most divine path is. So that's part of filling the soul bank too. And that will help you to get more honest with yourself and not get caught up in what everyone else thinks we should be doing or what we think everyone else thinks we should be doing. So build relationship to the ego, build relationship to the heart or the intuition. And of course, Build relationship to your physical body, folks, because this physical vessel of yours is so powerful and so mighty. And yet, you know, a lot of times we, uh, you know, we kind of, we kind of reject our physical body. Like it's not skinny enough. It's not fast enough. It's not healthy enough. Right. And I mean, I went through my own health journey. Um, I was very sick as a kid growing up and, and, And so I, I've had to really make amends with my physical self to say, I do love you. And I'm sorry that I, you know, don't treat you well all the time. And I, you know, I've really learned to embrace that relationship as well. So there's a lot of dynamics to relationships within our own container even, right? Um, But that's a really powerful way to start in terms of filling the soul bank, build relationship to different aspects of your being. Yeah. And the game starts to change. And I, and I think there's different practices that we can do to, to maintain that. Like for me, yes. I, I'm first thing in the morning when I'm wake. Well, if it doesn't wake me up at 4 a.m., <laughs> <laughs> which happened last night, I'm so yeah, tired I'm today. I'm, like, you. Oh. I'm there with you, Natalie. Yeah. Like, can you guys please yeah. turn the volume down? It's, I'm getting these downloads. It's yeah, not the right time. Yeah. It's like, no. Um, but, you know, it, it, from waking up in the morning. Eyes are still closed, brain starting to kick in, and that's when I'm asking, inquiring, being curious, yes. uh, and uh, allowing, you know, um, guidance and insight to come in. Uh, Beautiful. And I think that it's not just that, but it's trusting and Ooh. acting yeah. on what's coming in. Because I think that once you do that, then it invites more. So You yeah, are what, bang on. Yeah. So what's the practice yeah. that you use to... To, yeah. To, so to I do, do, ref- I do reflection in the morning, um, as well. And I, and I ground in, um, meditation is another practice. Mm. Um, I use a candle, um, and I reflect, um, i stare at that candle and try to focus my energy on that candle. Um, but I also try and integrate it through my life. So in my day-to-day stuff, you know, if I get a ringing in my ears, I pause and I pay attention. Like you said, you be curious. So I'm curious. I'm like, okay, is there something I need to be aware of right now that I haven't noticed? If I stub my toe, I know that's usually a sign that I'm moving too fast and I need to slow down. So it's starting to increase your awareness. And that is part of the filling the soul bank is awareness too, of like really starting to notice what you're noticing. And allow yourself to receive the information that's coming all the time, right? Uh, and so you're 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 right in that you know that that curiosity is a key piece uh, to all of this. And I think that if you are curious as you move through your day about, hey, I noticed that today. What was that about? You know, is that a sign for me, or is that something else? You know, that I need to know about. So again, asking those questions. Uh, that's, that's key. I know for some people, it's hard for them to have a meditative practice because they can't still their mind. Um, and so if that's the case, integrate it into your day, let it flow into your day, let that awareness come to you when you're noticing 
Oh, I noticed that. Yes, I got that. Right. The other thing that is really helpful is journaling. So that's a big, big tool for me as well, um, where I will just write it down. You know, if I get an intuitive idea or a thought or whatever, I put it down pen to paper. And that helps me also to get more information and also helps to ground me as well. Yeah. Well, journaling is awesome because it is another, like a way that you say to, ch- to channel for things yeah. to come through you. Absolutely. And, uh, and, you know, I always recommend if you are journaling, don't worry about spelling or grammar or anything. Just, just doesn't write. matter. Just write. Just write. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Get I love that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. You know, there's, again, there's lots of ways that we can fill the soul bank, but those are some really good starter points. And the next thing I do want to share is, you know, the gifts are already given. You know, we all have these incredible gifts and we have been so bombarded with this idea that we need to rely on outer technology. And I mean, we're relying on outer technology right now, but Mm. this idea of inner technology. So we have this incredible gift to be able to heal ourselves. I mean, that's magic in itself, is it not? Mm. And so we have forgotten over time, though, that our gifts go far beyond that. And they might be intuitive gifts. Um, They might be gifts of more logic and reasoning. Um, They might be gifts of, um, you know, we could go into clairvoyancy and and telepathy and all these other things. But I'm here to remind people that you do have the gifts and they do require opening. And the opening part can be messy. You know, imagine you're unwrapping birthday presents, right? It's messy. You've got paper everywhere and you're making a mess. But it is so worth making that mess because um, those gifts are innately given to each and every one of us. Mm. So I really want to encourage people to, um, to know that there are people that are willing to hold your hand or help clean the messes as you make them, as it relates to unpacking your gifts. Uh, so I strongly encourage that piece as well. And, you know, I, I usually share just a little story about really really dialing into the whole idea of the gifts, because I think it's really powerful. Imagine you're going out shopping and you see something that somebody would love. So maybe it's a trinket, maybe it's a book, you know, and you buy that thing and you're so excited to give it to them. So you wrap it nicely, or maybe you put it in a gift bag. That's usually the thing we do now, right? With yeah. some tissue paper, but you put this energy into this gift and then you go to give it to this person that you love and they're busy, so they can't open the present now. And you think, oh, that's okay. They'll, you know, they'll touch base later when they open it. No biggie. And then days go by, you don't hear from the person. Weeks go by, you don't hear from the person. And you're starting to think, what the heck? Like, did my gift offend them? Or, you know, starting to question it, of course. And so then I ask, you know, you know, how is that making you feel? And so say you go to this friend's house finally after weeks have passed. And you see that your gift is still sitting perfectly wrapped. It hasn't been touched. What feelings come to you? And maybe, maybe disappointment. Maybe you don't feel valued. I know that that's the typical response that most people have. And so then the question becomes, I wonder how God feels when you don't open your gifts. Mm. (laughs) Now, of course, my God is an all forgiving God. Okay. Just, (laughs) just so you all know, right. You know, God's not judging me for not opening my gifts, but the point is the point is that we have been giving these incredible gifts and they are so worth opening. Mm. So worth opening. Yeah. I love that. That's so amazing. So your website uh, is, I've got it open here, actually. 
is, uh, what is it again? Rose. It's rosehope.ca. Yes. Yes. And um, and so what will our listeners uh, find when they get to that website? Well, like, you know, like I said, the gifts are are there. And my, my role is to help uncover those gifts for mm. you and to be a support for you in those gifts. Um, and so I also believe that, you know, I'm, I've really wanted to make a difference in terms of what service means for people. And I believe that service also means being able to receive. And so one of the things that I practice is the art of giving and receiving for myself as well. And it just creates a whole world of manifestation. And, um, and so one of the things that I do is I gift a free session. So you get to come and experience the records um, and, and go into that magical space there. So you can find that right on the website. You'll see it there, free gift right on the homepage. Uh, and so you can explore that if you feel drawn to that as well. Um, of course, there's obviously educational pieces and things like that, because I teach people how to tap into their gifts, of course. But I want you guys to know that I really believe in giving the gift of time. And Dr. Edith Egger, she's a psychologist and a Holocaust survivor. And she has a saying, she says, love is a four letter word spelt T-I-M-E. Hmm. And so I believe that in me giving my time to others, that I am able to spread that love uh, in through the world. So that is a gift on the table for all of you, rosehope.ca. Wonderful. Well, Deanne, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, There is so much more that we could talk about. I know. I feel like I'm like, oh my God, I have so many more stories that I want to share, but I, I digress. I know we've got other, other things to do today. (laughs) But thank you so much, darling. And um, I'm looking forward to hopefully chatting to you again soon. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me here. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Not Over, Just Different. If you've been inspired by this episode and want to take the next step in your journey, be sure to check out our welcome pack. It's a great way to start your own personal development journey with the help of our amazing community. Next week, we'll be back with even more inspiring stories and practical advice for anyone ready to take on their next chapter in life, feeling fully empowered and full of passion for the journey ahead. And be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast by visiting notoverjustdifferent.com. Also, a five-star rating and review makes a huge difference in helping us get the word out. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, keep living your best life.